0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News and thank you if you're watching this on our Facebook page. My name's Dominic Booth, I'm delighted to be joined by Taro Marshall and Samuel Lockhurst. Welcome to you both, how are
1: you? Not bad, thank you. Yeah, very well, as well as can be expected, thanks Dom.
0: Excellent, yes, in the circumstances I suppose. Um, Manchester United also reeling a little bit from their Carabao Cup semi-final defeat to Manchester City in midweek. We'll talk about that. We'll look ahead to the Watford FA Cup game and we'll inevitably talk about uh, January transfers as well. Uh, I guess only one place to start is the the derby defeat, a fourth semi-final defeat for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer um, as United boss. Two-nil, they lost to City. Uh, An interesting game, Samuel. What did you make of it? Most Accepting that United were not terrible but deserved to, to be beaten on the night.
2: Absolutely. For the first fifty minutes, they they played reasonably well up until that that set piece that they conceded from, and th- there was a real lack of authority and, and nobody picking up John Stones. When I first saw it, I thought yeah, Harry Maguire's letting go. You look at it again, and Luke Shaw is is probably more culpable. But just just across that defensive line, nobody nobody took control of it, and, and Solskjaer was was lamenting the fact that they they conceded two goals from from set pieces. Um, in, in the game. But I think it was it was one of those defeats that despite that it was it was on the forwards in that um uh, Anthony Marshall was just a, a dismal excuse of a number nine. Uh, Marcus Rashford inexplicably didn't run uh, Alexander Sinchenko enough who's I mean Sinchenko's an auxiliary left back. Fernandes uh, Fernandez didn't didn't play well. There are times where Fernandez doesn't play well but he'll pull something out of the bag, be it a goal or an assist. It didn't happen. And you know, I, I think Fernandez deserves a lot of slack being cut because you know he's, he's transformed United over the last year, and it's about time someone else picks up the baton, but nobody did the other night. And when that doesn't happen, if that does happen again, then they are going to be in trouble. And I think when you look at Fernandez's tweet, what he said, um, I, despite the, the grammatical error there, but again, where I think we can you know, um, let him off on that one, he, he kind of conveyed how he was feeling in, in an eloquent way there was an element of frustration to uh, what he said in that tweet as well which really needs to be aired a little bit more by United rather than just you know happy-go-lucky going along with not winning anything for the best part of four years and I suppose from his perspective it's not going to be an issue in the summer but say they don't win anything this season, and they don't win anything next season then you've got the narrative of is he going to want to st- stick about at United? Uh, because he's the only world-class player in that squad. And that's something that could be bubbling under the surface. But in terms of the game, they, they really miss Cavani. I think Cavani would have started if he if he had been available. And of course, if Cavani's not starting and he's... And, and Marshall is guaranteed to start, there has to be some scrutiny on Marshall, given how he's performed this season. And he just didn't cut it again. And okay, he was coming up against two very good centre halves, possibly the standout um, defensive pairing in the Premier League at the moment in in Stones and and Diaz. But he just had no presence whatsoever. And United, frankly, looked stumped after Stones scored that you could have ended the game there and then and they wouldn't have had any complaints about it.
0: Yeah, they didn't really look like getting back into the game and and Tyrone the narrative afterwards was was this fourth semi-final defeat for Solskjaer he, he's not got um to any of the finals twice against City in the Carabao Cup and Europa League against Sevilla FA Cup against Chelsea all all occasions really when United had a chance to go through and didn't really perform to their best do do you sort of buy into this this narrative or should we we not really be judging Solskjaer on these semi-finals what do you make of it
1: I mean, it's becoming a concerning pattern, certainly, especially when you throw in the way they sort of collapsed early on in in Germany against RB Leipzig as well. I mean, I know that wasn't a semi-final, but in essence, it it was a knockout game and a final in terms of the group stage. United knew what they had to do. It was a one-off game. It turned into a one-off game. And they were awful for 35 minutes or so there and and were basically out of the contest. So it is becoming a a concerning um, trend i will be more concerned with the Chelsea and Sevilla defeats probably than the City games. I think anyone can can lose to Manchester City. Um the, the Chelsea and Sevilla games are ones where United were were probably favourites at the time and, and should have won it. Um and the more it goes on, I mean Charles has spoken a lot about the importance of, of winning a trophy for this team. They're a young team, a lot of them haven't experienced that before, and how it becomes addictive once you're running around on the pitch with your mates with the trophy. But it also becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when you keep getting so close and fail to get over the, the finish line and into a, even into a final. And there's no doubt that we're united to reach the Europa League semi-final now or the FA Cup semi-final or even be in the title race with three games to go. That it'll be playing on their mind that they've been here before and failed to get over the line. So, you know, as much as it is going to be a stepping stone for them when they win a trophy, it is also becoming a bit of a weight around their their shoulders, you imagine. The fact that they keep getting this close and failing to get over the line. I mean, in City, they've they've twice come up in the Carabao Cup against a good team. Um, I think the other night it just showed where United's next level of progress needs to be, really. And and that's in having more control against teams, against their big six rivals, really. They've, They've shown they can do that now against the rest of the league, that they can control games, that they can create chances in more ways than just the counter-attack. But on Wednesday, it was very much back to playing on the counter in, in having moments. It looked like a team in City who were creating chances through control and through possession. And United, kind of similar to last last season's games, were relying on, on moments on the counter, of which they had some in the first half. But th- there was nothing really after the break. I mean, once City... Took their foot off the gas i think at that stage possession was pushing 70 percent for city so united's next stage is to show that they can kind of control games against the big six as well rather than relying purely on on pace i think rather than at the moment thinking it's, it's a semi-final curse or anything the takeaway should be that that's what they need they need to do they need, they need to find more ways to, to skin a cap than just relying on the counter-attack against the biggest sides
0: yeah absolutely we've seen that in the past haven't we with that being a, a big tactic i mean i guess people will now look ahead to the the game against liverpool in the Premier League is the next huge test for, for Solskjaer and you'd probably say that's a more important game than, than the City one um, Gary Neville said Samuel that he doesn't really expect anything from United in that game whereas he did expect something from them against City have United got their priorities in order is this potential title race you know is that got to be the, the priority now or will they look back on some regret at this um, Carabao Cup exit
2: I'll certainly look at look back on it with some regret because it was a straight knockout their form going into it was was auspicious. And in terms of old traffic derbies, it was probably you probably didn't fancy them this much going into a, a home derby for best part of six years, maybe going back to Van Gogh's first season when they won four two. Uh so the fact that they've not won that they, they can't win a trophy until May at the earliest, that that's gonna be Luke, that four year anniversary since they last won a trophy is gonna be uncomfortably close for them. But there is a link between the City and the Liverpool games in that their big game now has deserted them this season. And even the scalps of PSG and Leipzig were completely blemished by the fact that they lost to both teams when it mattered more in the group stage. If they'd got a point against PSG, with, which was their penultimate group stage game, the Champions League, they'd have gone through. They needed a point in Leipzig. They were 3-0 down at half-time. Across the five big six games they've played this season, they've, I think they lost to Tottenham, they lost to City, obviously they lost to Arsenal, uh, drew with Chelsea and City in the league and they've scored one goal which was Bruno Fernandes' penalty against Tottenham who they then got trounced 6-1 by so that is a trend that they can't just completely disregard and given how well they were doing against the elite last season and and certainly in the second half of the 2018-19 season in certain games it might be playing on their mind and They've got to address that with Anfield next week. They, they should fancy themselves going to Anfield purely because of Liverpool's form, the injury issues Liverpool have. Um, I mean, Van Dijk isn't going to be playing, Gomez isn't going to be playing, Matić might not be. So they've got to they've got to try and take the game to Liverpool. I don't think they can be as standoffish as they were against City, and it, it wasn't just about being standoffish. I think City forced them into that. Routine at first, but they are still evolving as a team. And there's only so much time as a manager. You can say my squad, my team is evolving. Come March, Solskjaer will have been permanent manager for two years. He's he's been in the post for over two years already. If he doesn't win a trophy this season, there there are going to be more doubts about him. the 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 doubts are recurring anyway, just because. And at times you do feel sorry for him. Being that defeat the other night, that some of the stick he was getting was just visible, really. There's no disgrace losing to City. There's no disgrace losing to a, a team coached by Pep Guardiola. But some just do have it in for him, and I mean, some might say, "Well, that's ironic." You saying that, you know, because they they think we're trying to get guys out of the job. That's not the case. We just report um, what we're told sometimes. Uh, but there is a. It's guaranteed. I think to, it's safe to say that it's guaranteed that he will at least see out the season. Uh, especially since there's not an outstanding uh, coach available now to to come in and, and possibly uh, take his job and the way that the upturn in form he's overseen has been impressive. But the fact that United are struggling against the elite now really does count against him. And I suppose that's just symptomatic of the way the season's gone, how how odd it is. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see whether this City defeat does not the confidence out of them, because as, as Fernandes outlined in his tweet, I mean, he did sound quite... Uh, Demoralised by it, if if a little bit defiant as well that they do need to actually get over that last hurdle, get into a final.
0: Yeah, it's a probably encouraging sign to see Fernandez speaking like that, and and Solsha has said yeah. that the, the talking has to stop at some point. Semi-finals are not are not enough for United. I think that everyone would uh, agree with that. Uh, the Anfield game will be interesting, Tyro. No, um, no crowd, of course, which is a, a huge boost as well as the things that Samuel mentioned, and Edison Cavani back as well. Mm. Is his return crucial, do you think, for United at the moment? Because they did just, like Samuel said, seem to be lacking that little bit of cutting edge in the in the final third. Their attack just didn't function against City. I know it was partially results result of Stones and Diaz playing so well, but Cavani suddenly feels like a, a crucial Figure in this team?
1: Yeah, he gives United something different, doesn't he? In, in terms of what he can offer at, at centre forward, he's a very different threat to Martial. He's he's more of a, he's more of a penalty box striker, but he, he, you've seen he can operate deeper as well and, and link play, and probably just doesn't drift as wide as often as as Martial. But I think Solskjaer said on on Wednesday was it that they missed his, his chaos, and that's the kind of thing that he brings—just that unpredictability in the box, the the ability to get his runs right to run across the front man, but. You know the the issue is is serious. I mean, they, they probably did miss his unpredictability and his chaos, but the issue is United did have the ball in the box often enough on Wednesday for, for perhaps that to have mattered whether Cavani was starting or not, and that's that's the issue they need to work on in in those games where they don't have as much possession and they're relying purely on the break. And you would expect it to be similar against against Liverpool. Um, they might get more joy on the break there purely because Liverpool are at home. The pressure is all going to be on Liverpool in that game, so there might be a bit more joy, but it feels like to get the best out of Cavani in terms of causing that chaos, you need to be getting the ball in the box more often and having more more territory in the final third. And the issue for me on Wednesday was United just didn't didn't have that. I mean, Cavani would probably have offered more than than Martial in theory if you're going to play in the break. Martial's well suited to it, but he he was really poor on on Wednesday. And yeah, and you, you, to get the best out of Cavani, he's a finisher. He's going to get a lot of chances. He makes the right runs. His movement's brilliant, but to get the most out of that, you need to be having more possession and more territory in the final third than relying on 30% possession and and the odd counter-attack, really. I don't think you'll get the best out of Gavani in in playing that way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And maybe a a less of an over-reliance on Bruno Fernandes as well. Mm. We've spoken a lot about how much United need him in every game these days, Samuel. And we're probably going to see a game this weekend against Watford where Fernandes doesn't start, which may be a refreshing sight. And, it probably needs to be the beginning of a period where United don't rely on him so much. I mean, I know he's going to play against Liverpool and he's going to play in the important games, but how do United sort of plan for, for a different side that doesn't have to hinge around Fernandes? It just seems so crucial right now.
2: I'm not sure they have a plan, uh, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's slightly similar to when... Rashford got injured in January last year where you thought the wheels have come off here and then they did sign Fernandes and that allowed them to pretty much qualify for the Champions League I think after Rashford got injured they went to Anfield lost there a few days later they lost at home to Burnley they were in a really dire situation at that point and then the following week fortunately then Fernandes came in I, I you know, you want you wonder they they were clearly trying to sign Fernandez even when Rashford was fit that month. But whether Rashford's injury forced their hand into actually going out there and, and offsetting his his absence with with an attacking player like Fernandez, it, it's it's difficult really to pinpoint a player in that squad who can be as influential as Fernandez. Pogba has the attributes to do it, but doesn't have the consistency, uh, doesn't want to be there, which has been the case for. Goodness me, probably three years now. But he does. He doesn't hide. But that's that's what I will say for him. In games, he is always trying. He did, it did look like he was gutted after they lost to City in the week because, as as you know, for all his flaws and for his you know what his agent says, he does want to win things. He does want to achieve things as a footballer, and that includes you know, winning things with United as well. But. Whether he's got it in him to have that Fernandes-style impact between now and the end of the season, you have your doubts. He's been at United for four and a half years. I'm struggling to think of the most consistent, totemic, talismanic run that he's had during that period. It's it's probably Solskjaer's, at the start, Solskjaer's caretaker uh, reign. And it's pretty obvious why uh, he was able to turn it on uh, when Solskjaer when came in. It was almost as if he, he he did it deliberately because the other guy had just been sacked. So I don't think you can really necessarily rely on anyone. Marshall is far too flaky. I, I, I certainly wouldn't be starting him uh, against Burnley next Tuesday. And depending on how Cavani did, then you have a decision to make at Anfield for the Sunday game. So... Rashford has has had vital impact this season, especially when he came on at West Ham, but I still don't think he's a player with the personality profile and the the overall package that Fernandes has to to really bail out United as often as Fernandes has over the last year.
0: Yeah, a Fernandes-style impact you speak of uh, Samuel, and and that was a year ago, wasn't it? In January transfer window that we got that Fernandes impact at United. There's been so much talk about him signing for United and whether he would or not, and the noise around it, and then it did eventually happen, Ty. Um, we're now heading, well, we're in January, we're heading towards uh, maybe a quieter window than we saw a year ago for a multitude of reasons. Amad jallo has been the the man announced as a United signing this week. 18-year-old is going to take the number nine 19 shirt uh, at the club after an £80 million move plus a load of add-ons. But are we going to see much else from, from United, do you think? And... Is it even possible to produce a fernandez esque signing at this stage?
1: I, I very much doubt it. I'd be surprised if, if United did anything else really in, in the market. I think I'd be surprised if any of the, the top six clubs did. I mean, they're, they're still feeling the pinch, aren't they, financially from the pandemic? We still don't know when crowds are going to be back in. I mean, it's looking likely now that perhaps there'll be no crowds at all this season. If there is some come March and April, it's probably be no more than 10, 20 percent. So you're talking very little corporate revenue. So I think the the financial impact and the uncertainty over when things are going to change probably restricts what clubs can spend. And there's very little point in spending, certainly as far as United are concerned, in, in spending 10 or 15 million pounds on a player just to make up numbers when they already have a fairly deep squad, they have a very deep bench. What they need now are elite level players, X factor players who can come in and influence the starting eleven. And realistically, this window this winter i don't think united can get can get anyone like that i mean they got fernandes last year but those sort of transfers are so rare in in january and you know, being honest, he's probably made more of an impact than United expected. Otherwise, they wouldn't have waited until the thirtieth of January to sign him that have, have probably signed him yeah. in, in, in the summer if they were really expecting this kind of impact. So they've probably been pleasantly surprised by it. And and realistically, I just don't think there's I don't think there's anyone out there for the kind of fees United would want to pay this month that, that is suitable. Top clubs like I mean Dortmund aren't gonna let Sancho go. Top players aren't going to be allowed to leave Champions League clubs this month. So I think it's just I think it's pretty much a, a non starter and Put your, put your pennies in the piggy bank and, and go again in the summer and see where United have finished and, and what they need and, and work on maybe two sign-ins that are, that are X-factor and are going to improve the start at rather than the squad.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Samuel, more a case probably then of, of outgoings than incomings uh, this January. You, you've written today about Brandon Williams attracting some interest uh, in terms of a loan move. Obviously, we know that the United have a couple of players, Sergio Romero, Phil Jones, Marcus Rojo, Surplus to requirements at the moment. Can you see some movement in terms of the exit door rather than the entrance door?
2: Yes, there's there's a fine line for United to balance there, and the, you go back to Mourinho's first season. There, there were quite a few departures uh, in the January and then in March with, with Schweinsteiger going, and after that they encountered some some pretty major injuries, and Matty Willett got on the bench, Scott McTominay got on the bench. Um, whereas if, if Schweinsteiger had stayed, he probably would have played quite a Key role in their Europa League campaign, and of course they're in the Europa League. Cam- uh, they're in the Europa League again. So although there are a lot of players that uh, are obvious uh, ones to get rid of, I don't think they're going to get rid of all of them. Phil Jones, they're probably going to end up being saddled with until the summer, just by virtue of him being permanently injured. It, it seems too good to be true, or too obvious for him to rock up with Sam Allardyce uh, at West Brom. Um, given Allardyce's issues that that he's encountered in terms of signing foreign players due to the new the new brexit terms but given the allardyce work with with jones at blackburn uh, it, it would be an obvious one but as i say i think it's too obvious and, and probably too good for to be true for united rojo and romero in argentina um and i believe have had permission to do that but it does rather evoke memories of carlos tevers absconding to argentina for his golfing six-month golfing holiday in 2011-12 and rojo did this last year he, he Went back to La Plata for Christmas, and then his loan to estudiantes wasn't confirmed for over a month. I think it was one hell. United getting that contract in 2018 just, just remains to be seen. It's one of the great unanswered questions. Romero is is just cannot play. He's not in the domestic squad. He's not in the European squad. Um, it's in their interests to get rid of both of those players because they're out of contract at the end of the season. And United really cannot justify um, triggering the extensions in, in either deal. Rojo hasn't played since, I think, November 2019. The United, Fosu Mensah, has obviously rejected a, a contract offer, um, out of contract at the end of the season, no plus-one option. So there's a decision to be made there. If United do get an offer for him and he does want to go, I suppose the issue United have there is that there's no standout um, competition. Which I mean, Fosu is not a competitor with Wan-Bissaka, But he is back up at right back and they could do with a back up between now and the end of the season. So I don't think him and Williams will go uh, this month. But Williams certainly does want to leave on loan with his preference being a Premier League club. Southampton has seemed a good fit for him, even though, ironically, I guess, uh, they've they've got one of the most established uh, full-back pairings going in in Bertrand and Walker-Peters. I'd have thought that Newcastle would be a a better option for him because he would probably be a it's a better test for him and it's better for his development. Given the way Newcastle play, he'd be coming up against full-backs quite incessantly. They're, they're, they're so reticent, the way they, they play under Steve Bruce. Uh, Jesse Lingard is wanted on loan by Sheffield United as well. Uh wasn't even in the squad the other night. I asked about Lingard on the Tuesday and Solskjaer talked him up. So, of course, he dropped him from the squad the next day. That, that's how it works. So there are a lot of players who are going, and that's that's without mentioning uh, Odin Igala and the fact that he's, he's returning to, to Shanghai once his loan expires. I mean, that loan deal should not have extended beyond last season. Um, he's been redundant for, for four months, pretty much. So, I mean, that's probably a list of half a dozen players there who could go, should go, uh, might go, um, between now and the end of the window.
0: Yeah, the, the strange thing is you can list six or seven players and it doesn't really make a dent in United's squad. That's how that's yeah. how big it is. Uh, yeah. Just a quick, quick one, Samuel, on Amad um, giallo as well before we move on to a, a Watford preview. Do, do we expect Giallo to be featuring much in the first team? United have obviously re- rejected the... Um, Atalanta's advances to have him back on loan until the end of the season they they want to keep him at Carrington they want to have a good look at him I guess uh, he's been well talked up by by Solskjaer Eric has also talked about him do you expect him to to nudge into the first team at, before the end of the
2: season? I think his involvement in the first team will be more immediate than Fukundo Palestries. as I think Palestri's played eight times for the under-21s and the under-23s this season whereas the the fact that United were happy to offer up that information that he won't have to self-isolate after he arrives in the UK because he's been part of Atalanta's bubble would indicate that there's a willingness to integrate him into the the first-team squad sooner rather than later where you can have nine substitutes now as well. That's another uh, bonus and that there's more room to, uh, to give him an opportunity should they want to. And I think they just need they need another forward to um to offset the absence of a player whenever they're suspended or, or injured. I think Ben Cobani when that suspension was announced by the FA and you knew he was gonna be missing for the city game, that did pose a problem even before kickoff for United, just by the virtue that you knew Marshall would start, you knew Rashford would start, Greenwood is afflicted with second season syndrome and after Stone scored, they clearly did not want to take Marshall off, even though he's playing like a drain and replacing with Greenwood. And they just weren't sure how to go about it. Whereas if you've got Diallo, you've got an X factor there. You've got something of an unknown quantity to bring on in games, even though a lot of clubs in Europe were aware of him and aware of his potential. And you only have to look at um, uh, Bayern Munich with, I forget his name specifically, Yamal Musliera. I think he I think it is it's the lad who who joined from Chelsea the seventeen year old England youth international who's been getting road reviews over there and if ever a club should be um, introducing you know an unknown quantity of a teenager in the second half of the season it should be United.
0: Yeah absolutely it'd be interesting to track Diallo's uh, progress over the next few months after his arrival. Not an insignificant fee that United have paid there so that'll be uh be interesting if he does fulfil his potential. We've got the FA Cup uh, coming this weekend, United against Watford in the third round. Um, probably too soon, Tyrone, for Diallo. And, and maybe we won't see police from the start, at least. But what sort of a, a team do you expect Solskjaer to to field against Watford? I mean, after the, the Carabao Cup defeat, it's probably more important that United win this game now. There's a little bit more pressure than, than maybe there might have been.
1: Yeah, perhaps. I mean, they should be able to make wholesale changes and and still beat Watford really I mean I know they're doing fairly well in the championship but it's at home and they have got Burnley on on Tuesday and then Liverpool on Sunday and there's there's no doubt that those two are the bigger games if they're to to keep up this pressure at at the top of the league and I think we're going to see changes probably lots of them I mean probably not in goal Henderson should be a certainty to start that but beyond that I mean you're looking probably at Williams at right back Baye come back in Tellez will play Um, Van der Beek's got to start hasn't he and and for me starting that Fernandez, role and be given Ninety minutes to to try and build up some confidence there. Greenwood, Matter, James, perhaps in the front three. So I think we'll see a lot of changes. um can obviously I presume you can name nine on the nine on the bench again for for this competition. So you can have lots of players in reserve to try and turn it around if, if things aren't going to plan. but I think the focus has to be on on getting some rest into players now, United. Have played twice a week every week and they're going to play twice a week every week. If they win this, they'll play twice a week every week until the end of February at the very least. I think it'll be 23 successive weeks or, or something like that. They'll play two games. So the, the schedule is absolutely crazy. And I thought Fernandez he was poor the other night and he looked tired at the end as well. And we saw at the end of last season after lockdown, how tired he looked at the end. There was times in that Leicester game on the final day of the season where he looked to be running through treacle. So can't afford to get into a situation like that again with Fernandez or, or with Rashford where their legs are going and they look knackered and there's still three months of the season to go. So solskjaer has been big on rotation this season in the league. He he's made changes and, and gambled on making four, five, six changes a game and, and got away with it at the moment. And I think that's probably the way to go again today, that, that you risk making seven, eight, nine changes and and back that second string to get the job done and, and beat a championship team.
0: Yeah, completely obviously a big game probably for Van der Beek, he's very likely to start and does need to prove a point. Um, Samuel, who else do you see this as an important game for? Who else needs to send a message to, to Solskjaer and, and maybe firm themselves up as more of a first-team
2: option for him? Probably all of them, uh, if, if they if they have any have any ambition, which you'd like to think most of them uh, do. But I think there's there's possibly an opening for, for Lingard to, to start, which might be a surprise to some. But if you look at the potential for rotation, Matter James, Van der Beek, Uh, Greenwood could be a front four, but does Van Der Beek play as one of the two midfielders? Because Watford is not a game where you need two defensive midfielders. Um, Matic and Van Der Beek, I think, suffices with with Matic holding the fort and Van Der Beek maybe being a bit more adventurous. So it's a strange one with Lingard because I think it's it's pretty clear that his his race is run at United, despite what Solskjaer says in public. I mean, what United says in public to what actually happens is very different a lot of the time. Romero um, last month when he did say uh, the goodbye to staff, he actually stopped someone who was driving into Carrington, one of the coaches, flagged them down, and um, got out of his car and actually you know shook their hand and had a you know a final chat with them. What what could be a final chat? Uh, he's in Argentina at the moment but if nothing imminent happens I think he's going to be due back at Carrington training again but given the holiday he had in the summer or extended holiday um, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if he dug his heels in over that uh, but Lingard you know, he's he's smiling all the time in the training pictures. but if he's got anything about him and if he does get a start tomorrow he's just got to use that as a platform to try and get a move elsewhere. I know it's only Watford. I know if even if he scored a hat trick, it's it's probably not going to change many people's opinions of him, but he's got to use it just as, as a pulpit to you know, big himself up really to potential clubs coming in because I imagine that one could be one that goes to the wire in terms of the window because just because of his ego. He's probably not going to want to end up at Sheffield United, who are just destined for the championship. It does not reflect very well on him that of all the clubs that he could go to, might end up going to, he ends up at Sheffield United.
0: Maybe he goes to Sheffield United and he turns their season around and then they they can't stop winning. Who knows? We'll uh, we'll have to see if he starts. That would be a story. It would be a heck of a story, (laughs) yeah. Uh, we'll have to see what happens in the Watford game. I'm going to press both of you for a prediction. Uh, we'll obviously preview the Burnley game next week and there's that big Anfield clash, of course, to talk about. But what are we saying, uh, Tyrone, first for, the, for a score prediction for this
1: one? Um, let's go 2-1 United. Y- you can see if he does make wholesale changes that, that fluency will, will probably be an understandable issue. Watford are going to see it as, as a big opportunity, I guess. Um, an FA Cup third round tyre and empty stadium with 75,000 capacity at 8 on a Saturday night isn't exactly one to, to get the juices flowing, so you can imagine it might be a grind at times for United, so let's go with 2-1. I
2: mean,
0: I'll be tuning in, Tyler, because I've got nothing else to do.
2: Um <laughs> Samuel, what, what are you saying for this one? I think it'll be an underwhelming 2-0 win for United. The, the broadcasters will get their just desserts for Daring to put this game on at eight pm on a Saturday night. Uh, the, the the irony is they'll probably get decent ratings because nobody's as you say nobody's got anything better to do than than just watch football at the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not just me. And um, United are always on TV when they play in the FA Cup, anyway, aren't they? Um, there we go. Thank you very much both of you for your contributions today. It'd been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you for listening to this Manchester is Red podcast, or if you've been watching on our Facebook page, and uh, thank you very much as well you can subscribe to this on on iTunes, we're available on Spotify and all the other podcast places but from the three of us it's well, that's all for Manchester's Red Podcast today and we'll be back very soon